The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Father, we know because you've said it and you've preserved your word in absolute accuracy, we know that the word that was with God and the word that was God in the beginning came, drew near. The great God of glory became human, became not just a human, but a baby. And in that light alone, in that life alone, can we have light and can we have life? I pray that that this morning um, we'll hear again and we'll, we'll believe again. We will live according to the hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. God, if we uh, today, hearing your word read, find that we are not on the path of truth, if we find that we are, we've kind of just chosen our own way, God, I pray that you'll draw us back. Because it is just your grace, your grace alone, your loving gift of yourself. It would make it at all possible for you to humble yourself and just live among us and die for us. And in your triumph over death and sin, you would just generously give us that life that is uniquely and only yours. I pray that we'll just see that and enjoy that today and worship you for it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, So... Our Advent Sermon Series is Light in the Darkness. Light in the Darkness. And the reason uh, we chose this is that uh, even us who coming to Jesus, having responded to his truth, we still see so much darkness in the world. And and sometimes we even discover in, in ourselves uh, pockets of darkness, things that we're like, man, where'd that come from? How is that still present? How am I wrestling with this even after I came to know Jesus, came to put my trust in Jesus? And so um, we just want to call attention again to Jesus who is light and how Jesus alone can dispel the darkness and doesn't just do that, hasn't just done that in the past, but still does that. Um, still invites us closer to, to be revealed by him. And in that revelation of who we really are, to repent and come to him and find life again and again and again. Uh, I think a lot of us as Christians, maybe we're, we kind of like find ourselves maybe years in and we're like, man, is this what it means? And then we come to his truth and we're like, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to his promises again and put my trust in him. So, um, to start today, I'm going to warn you, it's kind of a hard, 
kind of a hard sermon simply because darkness and I think all that conjures uh, can be really challenging to think about. When I think of, of darkness or the dark night of the soul, I think of, of times uh, when I was younger of being sick and having a fever, coughing uncontrollably. And, and what it feels like just when you're in the night of sickness and it seems like the day will never come. Not only does it seem like the day will never come, but you start getting a little wonky in your brain, right? All of a sudden, you just start thinking weird thoughts. Things that, that in the daylight or when you weren't sick, you would just be able to easily see that isn't true. You'd be able to speak truth to that. And now you just feel like your defenses are down. And the things that are coming into your mind are overwhelming, All of a sudden there's an uncertainty of reality where before there just seemed to be certainty. Maybe for you, uh, that that sickness, uh, long night of sickness, isn't the thing that comes to mind for you when you think of darkness. It could be that where you find yourself in life at this moment, um, where your family's at, the way you view yourself. I don't look the way I want to look. I don't feel the way I want to feel. I don't, I'm not thinking the way I want to think. It, there's a reality of, of mental health that we talk about a lot. And, and I think a lot of times just assume like, man, we're in the church, we're good. Uh, that isn't the case. Even people who come to worship Jesus can struggle and do struggle with depression and anxiety. And how do we talk about those things? How do we bring those things to the light that we can actually talk about it, right? And, and how crucial this is, is I, um, again, this is hard to talk about. I have a, um, I don't know this, this man personally, but um, good friends, dear close friends of mine um, are, were very close with a pastor who took his own life in Tacoma two weeks ago, lead pastor of Soma Church in Tacoma. Um, took his own life, and and friends of mine who've worked in Soma churches for a long time, they're just like, I just didn't see it. We didn't know. Um, and so when we talk about darkness and how reality starts to bend, and we just don't know, like, how do we talk about it? How do we share about it? How how in the world can we as Christians begin to to think about and help be helpful with one another? Because I think a lot of times we're just like, man. We're good. And yet maybe there's darkness. Maybe there's night. Maybe the light seems to be non-existent. It seems like it is impossible to get out of the dark place that you're in. And if this is not the, the case for you now, maybe as you hear, it will make you more compassionate and careful and caring for those who find themselves in that place that you can shine the light to them wherever they are. So, the story of Christmas, the story of the coming of God to the world, is simply this. It is the story of the light coming. That is the story of Christmas. The light dawning in the darkness. So, Are you guys ready? Okay. 
I'm going to talk to you really quick before we get into the context of Isaiah 9, which is where we're going to be the most time, most uh, of our time today. I'm going to talk to you about sort of this general look at the contrast of light and darkness in the scripture. And this is really helpful because um, I think oftentimes we just kind of jump in and we're like, man, where did this imagery come from of light? And yet all throughout the scripture, literally since the very opening pages of the Bible, we get this contrast of light and darkness. In Genesis 1, starting in verse 1, it reads like this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What a powerful image. Why didn't God just speak and it all came out orderly why is there this time of formlessness and emptiness and darkness where the spirit hovers over it but will the spirit ever touch it that's the question right Will the Spirit ever make something of that emptiness? Will the Spirit ever make somebody, something or somebody of that formlessness? Wow, how profound when we look at our lives and we can find things that we're like, this just seems empty, this seems broken, this seems formless. It seems like it's chaos. And the Spirit just seems to hover over it. Will the Spirit touch it? Will he make something of that? And then God speaks, let there be light. And there was light. Like that. It's, it's amazing, amazing as we, as we think of that in relationship to the impossible darkness that sometimes, the impossible formlessness that we sometimes find ourselves in. And is the Spirit present? The Spirit is present. What will the Spirit do with that? When or how will the Spirit say into our darkness, let there be light, and there will be light. The second amazing image we get is, and, I, and there's more than this, I'm just kind of picking some of them, is, is in Exodus 13, where the children of Israel, after 400 years in slavery, they've, they're coming out of Egypt 400 years of slavery, that means they are people who have been so ground into the ground, right? So abused and so hurt that they lack a cohesive identity anymore. They've been stripped of their identity by people that that simply want to mock them and abuse them. And they've come out and they, they come out lost in so many ways. And they are led from that place by this pillar of fire at night. This pillar of fire that that literally God says, when I rise, you will rise. And when I set down, you will set down. And how oftentimes when, when we are coming out of times when we have lost so much ourselves that we don't even know anymore and, and, and God's going, you know, I know you're lost, but I will make you found. I will lead you. And when I rise, you will rise. And when I sit down, you will sit down. And we just need that leadership of God. Another incredible image of light contrasted with darkness is there's this, this small light that they kept going perpetually in the temple of God. And that light, small as it was, was meant to be an image of the presence of God. Now, now think, of, think of God and, and who he is in his sovereignty. 
king of kings, lord of lords, and yet he goes, I want you to show that I am here by simply keeping a candle lit. What did that mean? Because never will they think that that was the fullness of God. Never would they think that, that as they come from all over to worship him and to, to lay down their sacrifices that they can again be, be forgiven, right? Never would they think that light is the fullness of God. And, and it wasn't. It was simply meant to draw them so in that flicker they could long for the fulfillment, right? They could long for the fullness of God when God in all his glory would come. And so they held on to these promises, right? They held on to the promise of God who can create out of chaos. A God that when they are feeling lost will still lead them, right? Who, a God who will go, you know what? This flicker will remind you that I am here, but my fullness has not yet come, right? This is the amazing contrast we get. And so when we get to the book of Isaiah and you have a, a prophet, the prophet who in good and hard times, is, is just holding out to the people the word of God. This is what we read in, in Isaiah, starting in chapter 8, verse 16. And, and Isaiah's kept reminding them of who God is. He's even told them in chapter 7 of Emmanuel who would come, the Messiah. God will come and be with us. And he says, bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instruction among my disciples. He says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Now this is a really bold thing for Isaiah to say. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. See, when they would pray, Lord, may your face shine on us. They were saying, is God be near us? God lead us? And, and what Isaiah is saying, the reality of what's going on right now for our people is that God has been hiding his face from us. But then Isaiah says, in that place, of God hiding his face, I will wait. I will wait holding to, and we get into this a little later, but I will wait holding to the word of God. I will wait holding to the promises of God. I will wait. And, and Isaiah knew that it would not come in his lifetime. It actually wouldn't come for another 700 years. They had to wait 700 more years until the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us would come. So think about what that waiting meant. As he says, you know, we're gonna bind up, we're gonna seal up God's instruction among my disciples. And he goes on, he says, says, here I am and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord the Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. And you kind of sense this sort of distance, God who's dwelling on Zion. And he goes, he goes but, but me and my kids, we are, we are like a, a signpost pointing the direction to God and saying, look east, the sun will dawn, light is coming. Right now, we're in a waiting period. That's a tough place to be, especially when you're experiencing darkness, right? We will wait. And he says, in that waiting, listen to this, he goes on to 19, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? And so what he's saying here is, he goes, we are called, knowing the promises of God, 
We are called to hold those and we are called to wait. But what you're going to be tempted with is to take a shortcut and not wait. And this is what he's talking about with mediums and spiritists. He goes, you know, God's given his word. His word is sure. His word will be fulfilled. But there's going to be so many people that are like, hey, there's an easier way to go. Now, mediums and spiritists were people that, that would, um, this is this weird, why would they consult the dead on behalf of the living? It's mediums and spiritists would say, you know, come me and I'll, I'll consult the dead, people who have lived, and I'll give you good advice. And, and probably for most people here, this isn't like the way they try to shortcut. Right? It's not like, I'm just going to get my, my hand read. I'm going to go get my tarot cards. You know, that's probably not you. It might be not a good shortcut. Um, for us, though, it could be something else, right? As, as we wait with the Lord where we are, even right now, it could be like we are just absolutely consumed with checking our stocks or seeing if our retirement is collecting like we want it to or fill in the blank, Right? Whatever things we have in our life that we are just consumed with because we can't address feelings of emptiness or waiting for the dawn to come or right and we it's like what is that thing that he is going, why would you do this? When if anyone he says, if anyone does not speak according to the word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, looking upward, they will curse their king and their God, then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness, fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. What, what is he saying? This is really hard words, right? Super hard. And simply what he's saying is, when he, he talks about darkness here, he's talking about there will be despair. And despair is a place where you don't even look for the light anymore. You're in darkness. You don't even expect dawn to come. It's as if this is the way it is and this is the way it only will be. There's ignorance, which means there's no understanding. That God has spoken, but, but we just don't even listen to his words anymore or think that God will come through anymore. And that place is a place of utter darkness because even if that is where you're at, nevertheless, it's kind of a cool word, right? Nevertheless, which means regardless of whether you've waited or not, the promise is coming. There will be a light coming over the eastern hills and it will come and it says, there'll be no more gloom for those who were in distress. And I love, there's this translation of it, the English revised version, it says this, but there shall be no gloom to her that was in anguish. There will be no gloom to her that was in anguish. Nevertheless, there will be no gloom to her who was in anguish. How can we be so certain that the dawn will come? That that those fears that haunted us in the dark when we just couldn't process anymore, we couldn't hold to reality when all the bushes looked like monsters. Nevertheless, there shall be no gloom to her that was in anguish. Now, if we, if we keep going, 
Isaiah reminds us that 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 time is a humbling time. That time where we didn't even know how to hope anymore, right? The time where we couldn't anticipate the light coming. We just thought it was gonna be dark, that God had forgotten about us. It says, in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. What he's saying here is he goes, Zebulun and Naphtali, they built up walls and they trained warriors and they thought they were ready for anything to come. But then when the distress, anxiety, challenge, enemy came, they were taken over. Their defenses didn't hold. Think about how that applies to us, how humbling it is for ourselves when we think of ourselves as, ourselves as ready for anything. We think of ourselves as strong and independent. And then all of a sudden, something comes that we can't figure out. Something we felt like we protected ourselves against. And then all of a sudden, we're like, man, I, I don't know why that's affecting me so much. And all of a sudden, light has been snatched from our eyes. And it says this, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. What he's talking about here is is Jesus coming. In these places that experienced destruction and being overwhelmed, these are the places that Jesus will walk first. And this, this is really, listen to this in Matthew 4. Starting in verse 12, it says, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Does it sound familiar? To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness, I've seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What does this mean for us? In a a cosmic, historic, forever huge sense, it means that Jesus has come. Nevertheless, no matter how dark it seemed, and if, if you read the Old Testament, it is a hard read. How many of you have just not made it through the Old Testament because you're like, I just got lost somewhere in Second Chronicles and I just was tired of the bloodshed. I just, you know, you, like you get into it and you're like, man, this seems dark. And yet there is no, there is no book like the Old Testament that says it like it is, that leaves you in a place of going, man, I need... I need help. We need help. Bad. And in that place, and to those people, it says, those humbled people, Jesus comes and he walks. That's what it means on this cosmic, global sense. The most forgotten Jesus comes to. The most wounded and hurting and overcome Jesus comes to. What this means on a personal sense is this. What would it look like for Jesus not to come First to where you feel the strongest, but first to come to where you are most weak and wounded and to the places where you are experiencing the most darkness and those are the places where he walks first. If you're in a place where you don't want to be, if you're a person you don't want to be, if you're thinking 
thoughts that you don't want to think. And Jesus goes, those aren't the places I'm avoiding and ignoring. Those are the places I want to walk first. In between gatherings, Vern told me about a song he'd heard where it says, talks about Jesus walking the roads of our soul. And that is exactly accurate. That is what it is talking about here, is Jesus choose chooses to walk not just the main roads of our souls, but the alleyways of our souls. The places where the, the goblins hide, right? The places that feel most threatening in our souls, that's where Jesus is walking. And the people walking in the great, night, great darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of darkness, a light has Dawned, and that light is Jesus. And what he says when he comes is this. What he says to your darkness is this. He says, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Isn't this beautiful? Because you thought you were so far away, but all along the spirit's been hovering above your chaos, upon your emptiness and your formlessness, the Spirit's hovering, and Jesus has come near. Repent. What does that mean? How is that good news? How is that the Christmas story? How is that gospel? How that's gospel is Jesus is saying, I've seen you and I'm inviting you. I'm not inviting just the good parts of you, I'm inviting all of you. And then he says, but will you repent? Will we repent of the ways we have not waited well? The times we have tried to take shortcuts, instead of going his way, we choose our own way. Instead of believing the truth and his word, we believe the mirage. And, and for us, this is really important. For us who, who come after Jesus has already come. Now, now think about how hard it would be for Israel, who now they kind of look back and they're like, man, we remember Mount Zion where God came in power. We remember you know, coming out of Egypt and slavery. We remember King David and the promise to him. They remembered those things, but all along they were like, man, but will God himself come? Will he really come near? Will he really be Emmanuel, God with us? But we have that. Like you and I look back on Jesus coming. God incarnate, God, King of kings and Lord of lords, who was born in a manger, humbled himself more than anyone would ever ask to be humbled, taking on the very nature of a man. Right? This is what we look back on. And yet think of how hard it is for us, considering that still to hold to that truth as we anticipate Jesus coming again. And, and so that's, that's what we consider as, as Jesus again enters into our darkness. Jesus enters into our crazy thinking. Jesus enters into my crazy thinking, right? And, and we start hearing his words and believing his truth and what he says. And we let that light shine into our darkness. And it will make you profoundly uncomfortable. Because you'll be like, man, Jesus, I don't want you there. I just want you to see these good things that I'm proud of, right? And Jesus is like, no, I just want to see you, all of you, who you are. And I want to walk in that place that you are. And then I'm going to invite you to come and I'm going to invite you to repent. And what repent means is, is those things that we haven't want him to touch, we're going to say, Jesus, this is me. This is who I've been. 
This is me really, the things you revealed, you already knew, but I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, and, and he takes those things. And so repenting means being honest and then turning to Jesus and walking towards the dawn. It's a powerful image. Think of how often in your, in your life it just seems like the darkness is impossible. Think of how often at night, maybe you could be even walking in Seattle and it just seems scary and all of a sudden the day comes. You're like, this is what was there? And, and that is the exact image it's looking, that, that the, the formless and empty world was turned into a beautiful creation by God, that, that lostness was turned into foundness because of the pillar, that the flicker was turned into fullness when Jesus came. And now for us, we get to see that fulfillment and experience that as we respond to the invitation to come, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. So my challenge to you this Christmas season is to be brutally honest with God. To say, God, see me. God, show me who I am. And, and honestly, it's not all going to be bad. It's, it's, there's going to be some great things. Some things that he reminds you of. Maybe when you first came to him and there was just like joy and communion with him. And it could be that he just wants to restore a lot of that joy to you as you repent of shortcuts you've taken, right? He's like, man, come. Because with Jesus is the fullness of joy. So I'm not just on this weird like, and just you know, trudge up the darkness. No, like Jesus wants you to get get done with it. Repent of that so the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of joy in his fullness can come near and you can just fully participate in that this year. Maybe you are finding yourself in that place though. That you're like, man, I'm just enjoying my time with Jesus. My challenge for you is, is shine the light on others, Right? Shine the light on others simply for praying. If you have someone that you know who's going through some darkness, just start by praying for them. God, God, may your light dawn on them in a special way this year. Man, God, if you'd give me a word just to share with them, just an encouraging word, God, help me do that as we can shine the light for others. So this year, I really believe, can be extraordinary for us as we again see the light peek over the mountains and we anticipate his coming again. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's pray. Father, God, I was just so challenged this weekend studying your word and just going, man, I'm not. I think so much about how you came and I, and I just don't always feel ready for you to come again. If you were to come right now and just say, let's go home, I, I don't know if I would just be like ready for that. God, give us discernment. Give me discernment this season as we meditate on your word and just hold the truth again to prepare our hearts like the, like the Christmas song says to, that every heart would make room to worship you and trust your promises. God, if there are people experiencing darkness right now, darkness they don't feel like they can share, I pray that this will just be just a beautiful invitation to share, 
to not feel like it has to be held alone. Because nevertheless, the light is coming and dawning for she who has lived in gloom. You want to walk the pathways of our soul. Bring hope to all the corners of our hearts. Because you've made us not for this moment, but for eternity. To share with you, God, help us prepare for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.